0: Driving it
1: home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to
0: wear masks Says And politicians getting caught grabbing ass says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. All right. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Adam Seltzer filling in for Patty Vasquez today. Uh, Riding sidecar with me over here. I got Michael Glover-Smith. It's uh, almost 20 years ago, like to the week or so, that we have been hanging out, you know. That is correct. We met right here in Chicago before you were even a Chicagoan. That is true. I was uh, making plans to become a Chicagoan at the time. Uh, 20 years ago. So, welcome everybody. Uh, Patty is on the road today, so I'll be filling in for her. I've been a regular guest of Patty's for about 10 years now. I'm a historian and tour guide and uh, author here in Chicago. I run mysterious Chicago tours. I run cemetery tours. I run historical tours. I run boat tours. All kinds of stuff, and I spend a lot of time in the legal archives (laughs) uh, digging through old paperwork. I love the microfilm room. Um, You find some really interesting stuff. Uh, Just today, I ran into an article from 1945 that they dug up a box of keys to all the padlocks they had used to lock up speakeasies in the 1920s. (laughs) Like uh, the one that they used to padlock the Midnight Frolics on 22nd, which is now before it was Cermac, was just in a box with 3,000 other keys that they sold for scrap, they uh, donated for scrap metal for the war effort. This being 1945. Unreal. So a little bit of prohibition (laughs) helped to win the war in a kind of a weird roundabout way. I mean, I'm sure when you really get down to it, 3,000 Keys is not a ton of scrap metal. That's probably not enough to make one plane.
1: But there were probably more of those keys in Chicago than anywhere else Uh, in the United States. likely so, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, then again, these are the ones that they used to lock up the speakeasies that they closed. (laughs) How many did they really do that to in Chicago? These are just uh, probably a small fraction of the ones that actually existed. Um, I'm sometimes given the statistic that during Prohibition, the number of places where you could go to get a drink in Chicago just about tripled wow but it's difficult to know this kind of thing for sure because you know these illegal speakeasies were not really known for keeping great paperwork so they, who knows they, well, you, you,
1: they used the keys to lock the front door right. and then there was another, so then there's key. another key in the back <laughs>
0: yeah but on the back side it didn't say nothing <laughs> Uh, So, all right, well, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, well, I am a filmmaker. I'm an author and a film studies instructor at multiple uh, colleges here in the Chicago area. And uh, I have a new short film called Handle with Care, which is going to have its world premiere uh, in six days. It's going to screen at the George Lindsay Film Festival in Florence, Alabama on Thursday, February 29th, which is Leap Day. Oh, wow. So that's kind of what's going on in my life. Yeah, I, I
0: have seen the film. This is uh, this is how many films have you done now?
1: Well, um, I've made four features, but now uh, I've kind of turned into a director of shorts. Right, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little easier to get financing.
0: I for. would imagine. So, so yeah,
1: yeah. So I've done two shorts since my last feature, and uh, you know, I just like to make stuff. So
0: right, right. You know, we, we've discussed a lot of your movies are. If you, it's, it's hard to pitch because it's about people talking. It's not exactly. like a high concept thing. It's, not, it's just people talking until one day one of them discovers a superpower <laughs> the kind of thing you can pitch in an elevator
1: exactly well I, I like I always like to say my films are character driven more than plot driven right and I should point out that you and I co-wrote a script uh, together for uh, a short film at last right. we, we,
0: we've done a couple of scripts one of them we actually made and that's that's just the nature of things you make you, you come up with ideas for more stuff than you actually get the funding for right in and general in, in but,
1: filmmaking it's like you have to pursue multiple uh, projects at the, at the same time, and then the one you get f- right. financing for is the one you do,
0: right? And you know, uh, Bob Asperin, the fantasy writer, was like giving me advice very early in my career as a writer. Uh, well, he gave me one good piece of advice, which is there's no money in that. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the other was what you want to write and what you get to write are like two piranhas in the same tank, right? And that's de- that was definitely the case. I don't really do novels anymore. I still do niche nonfiction books, but that was definitely the case for me. There's what I wanted to write and yeah. what I could get a deal on.
1: And you know, it's funny, people who don't make art don't understand that. They, they assume right. everything you produce is the thing you were dying to do, right. and in reality, it was the thing you could do.
0: Right, especially after you've had one book out, people think that whatever you want to do next, the publisher will just go for. Right. And same thing in movies, that once you've had a movie out, you'll get funding for your next movie. Absolutely. And it's just not necessarily the the case. Even some of the, some of my favorite ideas, I even have to ask myself, well, what, what was I going to do for an audience? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my, Mike and I did a movie, a short film years ago called A Last Okima, which is a retelling of Don Quixote, where instead of the guy becoming a knight from reading a bunch of old crusty books about knights, he listens to the anthology of, anthology of American folk music and becomes a folk singer, yes. the greatest and most authentic folk singer <laughs> that the world has ever known, out to right every matter of wrongs. And that was a short film
1: version of a longer project. We wanted to make the feature, right. and it has not happened
0: yet. It has not happened yet. But, but you never, to say? Yeah, yeah. You never yeah. say never about these things, you know? <laughs> I mean, if we had done it right after Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? came out, yeah, uh, we possibly could have gotten the funding for that, but Striking While the Iron was hot.
1: Well, Adam, you know as well as I do that uh, these things happen in cycles. That they do. And yeah, folk music so. will become cool again. <laughs> waiting for the
0: next great folks Care. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Mike, Mike and I uh, go back about 20 years. I knew him online before that, but we were in line for a Bob Dylan concert and recognized each other's names and our writings from online and have been hanging out ever since, traveling to Bob Dylan concerts ever since. And your new movie has uh, got a Dylan connection just in the title.
1: Oh, yes. Handle with Care uh, is, of course, the title of a Traveling Wilbury song. I always want to name my films after Dylan songs or Dylan albums, yeah. and I always always get talked out of it right. <laughs> you know, someone's like somebody always says oh you can't call this movie shot of love <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah. the, the, the original title of my last feature, relative was actually together through life okay and everyone said you cannot do <laughs> yeah. that
0: maybe too soon yeah exactly uh, it's only been 10 or 15 years since that particular Dylan album yeah. it doesn't seem like that long ago uh, is so often the case with things that it just doesn't seem like 10 that was well, you know, I guess that's been going on forever, something you hear all the time. If you read reviews from the early 70s of American Graffiti... This is something you see over and over again. This was only twelve years ago, right? It it seems like so much longer than that.
1: Or you know, the the thing about the Wonder Years came out in eighty nine, but took place in sixty
0: nine. Yeah, so if it came out today, it would take place in (laughs) two (laughs) thousand four.
1: But that there is something to that because the culture has not changed as drastically. In the past twenty years, right?
0: I mean, well, it's. I feel like uh, communication has like the pre-social media seems like a million years ago. Pre-smartphones, yes, kind of seems like it was a whole other era.
1: But in in ways that are kind of um, externally visible, I right. would say not. I mean, when you know uh, the Wonder Years began and you heard Joe Cocker singing with a little help from my friends, right. I mean, you were hearing an old song today a show taking place in 2004 would have rap music on the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, it it definitely hasn't been, I feel like the music hasn't shifted that much in the last 20 years. Um, Certainly not, you know, I I remember in like the mid-90s I would be listening to Grunge and uh, such metal as was still popular in the mid-90s. And that stuff where they wore spandex uh, the hair metal was five or six years old at the time, but, but it seemed like a million years there was ago. A different I couldn't world. imagine that that stuff yeah. was ever popular. It had only been about five years,
1: yeah. And even the fashion sense today is not drastically different from what it was. 20 no, years I don't ago. think it
0: was either. Well, younger people might notice more subtle differences than yes. you and I do, <laughs> certainly. And I, you know, I, I hang out with um, the bars that I go to. I'm mostly hanging out with people who are in their twenties, yeah. And you know, I get weird questions sometimes. It's like somebody asked me, like before smartphones, how did people know what the temperature was at any given time? Yeah, <laughs> and I explained like calling the hospital to get the wow. time and temperature. Okay, and that just seemed totally <laughs> archaic to them.
1: Okay, I have to tell you a short story right now of something that happened uh, that blew my mind. I was teaching a class. I was showing the movie "Man with a Movie Camera," which is a Russian film from 1929, and a student wrote in a paper that they never understood what the phrase hang up the phone meant until they saw that movie and saw a person literally hang a phone up onto a hook on the wall. They said, I never understood why that meant to end a phone call. And that was the first time I realized there are young people who have Only used smartphones. Oh yeah, and so that that phrase literally makes no sense to them.
0: Right when when my I remember we had my kid make a call on the landline phone. This was like ten years ago now. He was like ten years old. He's like, oh, you have to push each individual button. (laughs) 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 If they weren't in your top six on the speed dial, anyway, which uh, was we didn't have speed dial on every phone when I was a kid or anything.
1: On the other hand, remember how many phone numbers you had memorized? Yeah, I mean, how much space in your brain?
0: Did those numbers take? I mean, off? I mean, I there are still people. I'm pretty sure I can remember their phone number. Oh, I remember my first couple uh, home phone. Numbers. I, I, my yeah, home right. phone numbers for sure. Several of my friends. I think I can probably rattle yeah. off the phone number. Yeah. A couple on. of them. I might have to think of a couple of digits there. Yeah, Two, seven, six, Yeah, yeah. I can think of a couple of them <laughs> right, right offhand. Um. Where, otherwise, well, people ask me, "What's your wife's phone number?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and speaking of Handle with Care, that was uh, that was your introduction to Dylan, wasn't it? The Traveling Wilburys.
1: It, it was, uh, it, which is kind of a bizarre origin story for a Dylan fan sure. I, because I literally saw the video for The Traveling Wilburys on MTV, or it may have been VH1. It, sounds
0: like it was more of a VH1 uh, kind of thing. But that for was sure. the
1: first time I he- consciously heard his voice. It was not hearing like a Rolling Stone. It was... Yeah. Watching well, for, for
0: anybody listening who might not remember, Traveling Wilburys were one of the better of the supergroups. Usually these supergroups get together and it's not all that great. Uh, but this was uh, Jeff Lynn, George Harrison, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan... And Roy Orbison uh, as a super group, making an an album of highly enjoyable fluff, as Paul Williams called it. And it was, it actually worked out really well. Apparently, the story goes that George Harrison needed a song for a B-side, got all his friends together, and they recorded Handle with Care. The record company says, you can't throw this away as a B-side. This is a hit. It's too good. And I remember my dad had the tape, and I would not let him put it on in the car just based on the name of the band. (laughs) Like, Traveling Wilburys? That sounds like something you'd see on, like, Hee Haw or something. To me. Yeah. So I wouldn't listen to it for anything. I guess my first exposure to Dylan, I have. It made no impression on me, but "We Are the World" for sure.
1: Oh yeah, I, that would have been the first time I heard his voice. Yeah, but I, 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 I took no
0: notice of it. Yeah. I mostly noticed the uh, the Cyndi Lauper part. There, there's a right. video of me singing that song in 1985 in Sing- a bathtub singing. <laughs> singing. <laughs> I, did, I knew every lyric too. I found the video lately. Wow, um, that was a very big song to a five year old in 1985. Yeah, have have was, you seen that documentary that just came out? I
1: have not seen it yet. I have seen the the footage of uh, Stevie wonder, teaching Dylan how to sing like that. Right,
0: because every everybody there is kind of just doing, you know, to, the way to stand out is to sing like a parody of yourself. Right, right. And because everybody's kind of trading off lines here and there. And Cyndi Lauper, on the one hand, takes it a little too far with a wow, 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 wow. <laughs> on the other hand, I think that makes the song. <laughs> right. And it mentions Huey Lewis is in the documentary saying, so, okay, so they told me to come up with a harmony line. So I'm standing there, I have to come up with a harmony line in front of Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson yeah. and Harry Belafonte. They're all just looking at me, waiting to come up with a harmony line. That it That would, be, in fact, be a tough gig. Yeah. Um, daunting, daunting kind of gig. Uh, so let's see. What is – I made some notes. What can we cover in the news? we got two hours of space to fill. Um well, I did bring up Alabama already. You did. So, you were going to Alabama. I'm going That's, to the
1: the land of the uh, frozen embryo. Land of the that frozen have embryos. Uh, now person, yeah. personhood.
0: Right. Yeah. And well, from talking to people there, they, the politicians there don't really seem to know what an embryo is, right? Or how this is different from a fetus or different from a baby in general. I saw somebody break it down. on I look. If you put a baby in the freezer, it dies. Right. <laughs> if you put an embryo in the freezer, it lives. Yeah, Um, This is, and uh, Tommy Tuberville was saying something like, well, we need, I always think we need more kids. (laughs) um, This is going to lead to fewer kids because people are going to be afraid to do IVF because it's usually a process where you create more embryos than you actually use, meaning that leftover material is now you could be liable for murder or something in Alabama. People are just going to not do IVF or not uh, pursue that route towards pregnancy at all. Uh, This is what you expect from a senator who, repeatedly refers to himself as coach on his websites. Yeah. and it's like it, it doesn't say contact the senator it says contact coach <laughs> um his official photo, he's tossing a football up in the air. How yeah. are we supposed to believe that this man is taking the job seriously?
1: Adam, do you want me to look
0: him up while I'm down there? I could, uh, yeah, I'll look him up, see I if could, he wants uh, to play some touch football. Or, or, um, or TP his house, maybe. G- Jim Jordan has still not replied to my request for a wrestling match. <laughs> I am the hipster. I will break bones in your body so obscure you probably never even heard of him. <laughs> um. So that's uh, yeah. We should definitely you should definitely look him up while you're there. I should you <laughs> know, whatever I can try do. to convince him that embryos make great football skin or something. You can use a synthetic material.
1: You know, I saw I saw an a, I saw a headline uh, in Reductress that said something like. Um, Alabama Supreme Court uh, grants personhood to the concept of sex
0: <laughs> right, right, life begins in conceptualization you know you ever thought about thought. <laughs> you ever thought about having a kid that decided not yeah. to
1: that's murder that's a very cat Catholic way of thinking right <laughs>
0: The sin is in their, your, yeah, in your said, hearts. You, you got to want us, George Carlin's.
1: But, you know, that that headline is barely more farcical than, yeah. the, than the real headline because people are saying, oh, frozen embryos now have more rights than women
0: do right. in Alabama, mm-hmm. and, which is crazy. Well, it was, there was a governor of Alabama a few years back who said, aren't you tired of Alabama coming up first in everything bad and last in everything good? <laughs> and it's true. It's- and, it, it is true, but you know I got some great friends in Alabama.
1: You know uh, I've been to Florence before. It's a and it's a college town, yeah. so it's delightful. I mean, college towns are always progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's kind of a question of like, should we boycott states that are passing this kind of legislation? Yeah, I don't think we should.
0: Well, especially in this case, when it's something the Supreme Court passed down, and right. Not uh, not something people actually went out and voted for,
1: exactly. And and the people who you know are going to suffer from that kind of boycott especially like a cultural boycott those are the people who need you who need you right you it's
0: know? it's not it's not you're not going to be hurting the people you want to be hurting exactly uh, with a lot of boycotts and small level things it just seems like it, 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 the main point of it is to make yourself feel smug, right? Right. More than anything else. More than any. Unless you can really get it organized and organize a massive stock sell-off yeah. or something like that, then you can see the impact. Right. But m- more often, you know, I mean, I got my limits too. I mean, I'm not. There's, you know, I'm not going to see the color purple because I know Alice Walker thinks that I'm a shape-shifting reptile. <laughs> um, if it's on, I'm not going to walk out of the room if somebody turns it on. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Um, I, I probably wasn't going to pay money to see it anyway, so it's not that much of a boycott to me. I mean, I've, I haven't been to Chick-fil-A in many years, but if somebody Same. brought me Chick-fil-A, I'm not going to like throw it back in their face. That Same. would accomplish nothing other than me feeling self-righteous.
1: Absolutely. But as an artist, you would go to any state in the United States, um, I mean, especially the backwards ones. Yeah, because, because
0: they, they, they need it there. Yeah, they you need know? your art. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tempting sometimes, as, a, as a, one of my jobs is taking high school groups around New York and Chicago. Yeah. And sometimes I do Nashville and Memphis and stuff as well, but I feel like I'm an, an ambassador for the concept of city living. Right. And a lot of these are kids who are definitely from towns like that, definitely from states like that. And they're well, also, these are kids. They're not the ones who voted for it. Right. And I feel like, you know, they need somebody to show them cities aren't this terrifying. The kids, generally, I find are very open to it. Yeah. Uh, kids are very open to the concept of you could actually live like this. We could live like this. Yeah. The city is full of people from smaller towns than you. Uh, their parents a little bit less so. Their sure. parents are the ones looking around, you have to be crazy to live here. It's like, dude, I don't go to your town and tell you you have to be crazy. Because <laughs> the parents are watching the news. Yeah, the parents watch the news. also they've chosen to live elsewhere. It's like the reason why there was an article a while ago about um, – the guy who was the manager at the Olive Garden in Times Square, <laughs> about what kind of people go to the Olive Garden in Times Square. So there's basically two kinds of people, people from Brazil and people from Ohio. <laughs> people from Brazil come because they've been seeing commercials for Olive Garden all their lives, yeah. but they've never actually been to an Olive Garden. Um, people from Ohio go because they want to go back to Ohio and say, the one in Ohio is better. <laughs> I right. find this with uh, Ohioans a lot as a group is they, they go to New York so they can tell themselves they made the right decision to stay in Ohio. <laughs> and really, there, I find that there's two kinds of Ohioans. The kind of Ohioans who live like that and yeah. the kind who leave the day they turn 18. And I find everywhere I lived, every third person is from Ohio.
1: They, they want to confirm their own bias about the superiority of right. you, where they're you from. You can
0: definitely hear this, get some of that. Like one, oh, one no. guy even came out to or so we're going to central park like yeah we're going to central park it's like what times our scheduled mugging like, <laughs> i don't know 1976 oh, but wow. last time i knew somebody who got mugged they got their their flip phone that's about how long it's been since I actually, you know, people wow. don't carry cash anymore. I don't really feel like mugging is, seems like it's probably more trouble than it's worth. No, no. Adam, I have to ask you, have
1: you been to the Olive Garden in Times Square?
0: I have been past it. I have not <laughs> even there. I mean, I have been at the, it's not there anymore, but the Sabaro in Times Square, uh, I have definitely been to. Those guys could handle a school group like nobody's business. And when I'm with a group of 100 kids, like my main thought is not, is this unique, is this a great experience is this really good food it's can they handle a school group can they keep us all together can they handle switching orders can they get us out in a timely fashion uh, they're pretty efficient I they're, they were very efficient there they had always had a ton of space for us um we never had any drama with them it was a breeze wow that's um, so why I don't mind when the Hard Rock Cafe comes up on the itineraries and, as it usually does.
1: And these tours you only do of New York City. You, don't,
0: you I I do not Chicago, too. Sometimes I've done a lot of different cities, but it, primarily I put in for the New York ones. In
1: Chicago, do they come from out of state? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would think that Chicago would have the worst reputation
0: when it comes to Definitely crime. I'll, when it comes to crime. I'll, I'll ask the kids, how many of your dads said you were going to get shot here? <laughs> <laughs> and Hands will go up. Like, Well, how many of you are... Planning to get involved in the drug trade, are you planning to try to move into another gang 's territory? Does anybody have uh, a reason to get revenge on you yeah. so if you 've answered no to all of these questions you 're probably going to be all right. You know, keep your wits about you like you would anywhere else. but late, lately, I had a group do New York from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I checked. Their violent crime rate in Sioux Falls is slightly higher than the rate in Manhattan. Mm. And their property crime rate is way higher than the rate in Manhattan. My biggest concern is that kids will get hit by a car because they're not used to things like crosswalks or escalators. Uh, I get a lot of kids who seem like they are really unfamiliar with escalators. And I have to give it like the El- the escalator monologue from Mallrats all the time. And of course, Mallrats is not one of those '90s shows, movies that every kid has seen now. So, like,
1: so are, are they afraid to physically get on the escalator? Some of them are like,
0: "Oh, I'm freaked out by these things." Wow. And others, they don't know that you you do not play on the escalator. You are you do not jump around on the escalator. You have to fear <laughs> and respect that escalator. <laughs>
1: when i was a child i was fascinated by that green light from underneath yeah you know i always kind of imagined there was some green
0: world going on <laughs> under there there's a world <laughs> going on <laughs> underground
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah shining green lights up at the escalators yeah the, the mall within the mall yes all right so how are we doing so far are we doing all right we got a we got a break. Mm-hmm. Okay, commercial break coming right up. Um, I'm Adam Seltzer, filling in for Patty Vasquez here on the Driving at Home show. Michael Glover Smith is running sidecar with me. We're having a good time just hanging out here, filling the airspace. Maybe we'll take some calls a little bit later on. We'll see what you, what everybody wants to talk about. You're listening to Driving at Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT eight twenty. All right, we are back. I'm Adam Seltzer, filling in for Patty Vasquez, uh, riding sidecar Michael Glover-Smith. We are going to take some calls. Uh, sorry, I didn't have the screen facing me. Um, it's my first day. Well, my, it's my second day, but I did this once a year ago, and was it turned out, no, I did in fact have COVID. <laughs> I was uh, hacking my brains out at the time. Uh, but we have got Jim has been waiting on the line for quite some time. Jim, how you doing? Gentlemen, how
3: are you? They're going to miss uh, Wayne LaPierre at the uh, Grand parties Convention in Milwaukee. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He could outdraw anybody on the earth. With a, any bad guy with a gun. He could outdraw any of them. Yeah, I'm but sure he can. can so he, could, <laughs> he could live on a $10 million a year expense account and bezel $4 million of them. $4 million, And never see a day in prison. And this is the prior law and order, the gun toting law and order people. Yeah. In the meantime, a poor guy in Chicago is doing ten years for stealing eighty bucks, but he can embezzle four million. And uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I could pay it back up to sell my five million dollar mansion. <laughs> and think about just. Well, I mean it's not even funny. It's ridiculous. It's right. How much money he's given to. Uh, Senators in the Republican Party to push guns and guns and guns at people, and a Supreme Court that won't—you know—the thinks everybody should just shoot it out and, uh, and Shoot uh, them all uh, of the guns not, I guess. in the god's around, I In City, yeah, we shoot it out. We just shoot it out with everybody. Yeah. Everybody a gun, and everybody be happy. But anyway, Wayne's going to pay the four million back apparently with See, no charges. Is, yeah, I was—I was, I was
0: kind of hoping this was going to turn out to be a capital case against Wayne Lapierre. <laughs> But I guess he just okay, has to pay his four million dollars back, which is, I guess, better than paying four hundred and fifty million dollars back. Uh,
3: yeah, it's not a bad, it's not, bad, it's the bad job if you can get it. If you can if you live on a ten million dollar expense account, embezzle four million, you lose it at the track, and right. you say, "Oh well, i'll I'll scrape it up somehow." I mean, yeah, how so ridiculous it is. I just feel like yeah.
0: if you've got ten million dollars, why go to the track at all? <laughs> Are you still well, no, hoping he, to strike he, it rich he, or he, what? He, 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 he was a gay. He was a gambler. He was. A, oh yeah, was a gay, I, I gotta imagine gambler. that just kind of yeah. gets into your head. But at the same time, anyway, the point is the, the, what they get away with
3: uh, is just amazing. Look at, uh, just look at the Trump family four million, a hundred million, fifty, uh, Rudy Giuliani, hundred fifty million. I mean, these people are, and this is a law and order party. By yeah. Anyway, well, uh, there was there was yeah. another. I, I keep party. coming up with
0: yeah. George Carlin yeah. lines. They're against street crime as long as it's not Wall Street. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Anyway, guys, thank you. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for calling. We have also got Judy on the line who would like to talk about Alabama's uh, Alabama getaway <laughs> here.
4: Well, not Alabama so much as what they've done. Um, I have your book, by the way, one of them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I, I'm a contributor to your fortune.
0: Oh, oh, oh thank you very much.
4: Uh, I was listening to Tom Hartman this morning. And this very lovely lady came on in a very sweet little elderly lady voice. And she said, I would like to welcome all the new, like, million individuals to our country. And Tom started to say something. I have a feeling that the producer probably waved him down and said, wait a minute, there's, it's coming. Yeah. And then she kind of turned on a dime and said, and I'm sure you can find women to grow those now that you have control of our bodies.
0: Ooh. <laughs>
4: yeah, ooh. Bird. Yeah, I... She she sounded like such a sweet little lady. Yeah. But that's why she got away with it.
0: Right. Well, I don't know. Was she, was she trying to go for a burn? Or, I, I, I guess I would kind of have to hear the tone of her voice to know what she was going yeah,
4: for. Yeah, it, it changed only slightly. I did it. I, I wasn't doing it as well as she did. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I am a sweet little old lady, I'm about to become 84. Oh, wow. <laughs> and right. and I've, I've been around for most of the things in your book. Oh, sure. And my parents before me, my great-grandparents, my grandparents, and some of my great-grandparents.
0: All right. So, well, well, Mike and I collaborated on a book about silent film in Chicago. You weren't around for that, Judy.
4: <laughs> no, but I have great-grandparents that are... All of my grandparents and great-grandparents were here in the United States before the First World War. Okay. Now some of them, I actually found out. That's why I have not totally finished your book. I, I read a couple chapters and then go back. I found out with my sister and I during the shutdown that we had people. On, we, we traced our family and we we have Mayflower people, oh, which nice. we never knew. Yeah, so that have been cool in my history class to say, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> But we we didn't know
0: it then,
2: right?
4: You
0: know, well, on the other hand, you you meet those people who seem like having a Mayflower descendant is their whole personality, yeah, and well, that that's something know. I don't <laughs> recommend. Uh, and I, I and saw somebody, somebody said, with that on their gravestone one time. It was like you you didn't you you should really talk about something you did, not <laughs> something oh, an ancestor you found did.
4: about my father. Yeah, my father was very picky about. Uh, not using your looks for anything.
0: Oh, yeah, not uh, using your looks for anything.
4: No, and he's you know we I, there were and I understand it. There were three girls he wanted no comparisons, he wanted no. So, mm. but one time I came home and said somebody said I was pretty and he said uh-uh. He said your looks are nothing. You didn't do anything to get them. I gave them to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That was his attitude to the
0: whole thing. Okay. I did look like him. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Judy. Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. Uh, Mike, have you, can you hear any of this? I, this he- I
1: heard nothing. Oh, okay. I have we'll no I'll headphones. have to get you
0: a set of headphones <laughs> for if anybody else is calling in. Uh, Judy wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something, something she saw on television and uh, talking about how uh, she found out during the... She was, I guess she read my Graceland Cemetery book oh, and nice. got interested in genealogy based on that. A lot of people, a lot of people have, I, I use genealogy stuff all the time, but not really for my own genealogy. Right. Um, you know, I have to look up a lot of people Um. and people's backgrounds. Like right now, my current project is about one of our old timey mustache serial killers named Johan Hawk. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of stuff on genealogy sites. This was this a was guy who would meet a woman, marry her, take her money and run all in the space of about a week. Uh, that I can confirm he married 20 different women, five of whom mysteriously died. Uh, There's been a lot of work like going through marriage records and stuff, trying to find everything. Um, he can actually confirm some of this stuff, even ones that didn't make the press at the time. This is when it came time to fill out paperwork at the wedding registry. He had never thought ahead far enough to think of a lie about what his parents' names were. So I can often find that it was really him as he's using his parents' real names on the paperwork.
1: Mm. And so the five wives who died under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. It was not confirmed to be a murder. One
0: of them, he was convicted of murder. Okay. One of them, the last one he was convicted. The others, it was arsenic. And arsenic was an embalming fluid at the time. Right. So there was no way you could get a conviction. Yeah. And even, even then, I, I definitely get the impression there's something missing in the case. Um, a couple of doctors said that we found 7.6 grains of arsenic in her stomach. That's enough to kill a horse. Uh, the stomach should be in much worse shape if that was administered while she was still alive um but on the other hand there's other things i don't have any reason to doubt that he actually did it but i think that the uh, chicago police probably tried to frame him anyway as by the time they captured the guy they had already announced it, it and all, all those guys had exploits had made all the papers there was a big manhunt going on and they'd said we have the evidence to convict we're going to hang this man um Anything less than a conviction would have been horribly embarrassing, and they weren't that scrupulous about these sort of things, especially this particular police chief was out of his mind. Uh, The coroner was fabulously corrupt and ended up becoming sheriff and doing time in his own jail in the 1920s, and honestly, any time these two guys were involved, it almost seems like they should have commuted everybody's sentence.
1: And and when was Johann Hawk's um when was his time? His
0: big reign of terror of um, <laughs> the twenty wives were between eighteen ninety five and nineteen oh five.
1: Oh wow. That's so, a pretty pretty good long while
0: Yeah, he, he was in and two of those years he was in jail for stealing furniture too. So, <laughs> so
1: it was character. an eight
0: year reign. There are about twenty two marriages that I can confirm. Mm-hmm so yeah about three a year on average unreal
1: and is there has there been a book about him
0: yet there's there's been a couple of books that are partly about him there hasn't been one that was solely about him yet and nobody's really gone through and looked at all the paperwork uh, the ones that I do read tend to be getting the, a lot of the articles about him like if you look him up online you'll see over and over his name was Johann Otto Hawk. I have no idea where that Otto part comes from <laughs> it's like it starts coming up in articles in the 1970s and then it just gets repeated, but, and then it forever. Just gets repeated yeah. forever and ever and ever this is the same thing with like the same thing with like H.H. Holmes, but yeah. one person says something, everybody else just kind of assumes it's correct.
1: Well, I was just getting ready to say you have to write the the devil in the white city version. Yeah, of that's kind the, of the, that, the
0: idea. I was thinking for a while, like, what if I you know, I, I really wish that there was a hugely popular but wildly inaccurate book about this guy. Yeah, <laughs> so one where I go through and try to separate fact from fiction would have more of a market, but I you know, the book is just about done, but I've still got some things to look up. In New York next week Um, Still a few things in the microfilm room and while I'm there, this is an interesting one, is I'm also, while I'm in New York, one of my other current projects is about graveyards in Manhattan, uh, Trinity Church and St. Paul's. And one of them, that, the book is turned in, but I found, like, one other person that I've got to add in by going through Trinity Church's archives. There was, like, a letter uh, talking about one guy who was buried there. His gravestone is no longer legible. They're not even really sure which one it is. Um There's a guy named John Bradstreet, a military commander. Apparently, there's a thing in the Philip Schuyler letters, the father of the Schuyler sisters that you hear about so much in in, uh, Hamilton. In fact, Peggy was the guy's nurse when he was dying. She was a teenager. He was an old man. He ended up leaving her a lot of money. But at his funeral, apparently there's stuff in the Schuyler letters about this. At his funeral, they spent something like 400 pounds on the funeral, which was, you know— 10-year salary to a lot of people. Uh, They went through 90 bottles of wine, and Philip Schuyler ended up having to pay cleanup fees and for broken windows and pews at the church after the funeral. Wow. So I really want to find more information about the time the Schuyler sisters got wrecked and trashed Trinity
1: Church. You know, that sounds like a very modern story, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) You know,
0: I mean, it's, you know... On the one hand, these people, it's almost like researching aliens. These people are so different. On the other hand, they're not so different.
1: Uh, Kids never really change. No, (laughs)
0: no. (laughs) (laughs) So... Let's see. So uh, we, I did get a text from Matt said we should talk about our North Country adventure last year. We kind of wonder if we're going to just talk about Bob Dylan the entire time. You know,
1: i could do doing that. <laughs> We,
0: we absolutely <laughs> could. Mike and I go on great adventures to see Dylan shows all the time. And that was one year ago, uh, last month. Last month, yeah. yeah. So thirteen months ago, now we went out to Minnesota. And Mike Mike was just telling me, while well, he's in Alabama, you're going to go to the Muscle Shoals recording studio, where Dylan did a couple albums. And Muscle Souls, of course, is a hugely famous recording place.
1: Oh, yeah, all the greats recorded there. Yeah. The Rolling Stones, I think, famously recorded Brown Sugar and uh, yeah. Wild Horses there. And, right. Uh,
0: there, you, there really is a distinct Muscle Shoals sound, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, last year, he and I went to Minnesota. We went, The first thing we did was we found the studio where Dylan did Blood on the Tracks. Yes, Studio
1: and, 80, which right. is kind of on the outskirts of town. Yeah.
0: And then we went up to uh, Duluth, where he was a little kid and where he hung out as a teenager, and to Hibbing, his hometown, where he went to school. We got to see his house, much of which is really still intact from the old days, and his high school is just incredible.
1: You know something? The Hibbing High School auditorium would be worth visiting, even if you didn't know who Bob Dylan was. Right. I mean, the hy- the building is incredible. Yeah,
0: it's it's based. Uh, it's almost an exact copy of a Broadway theater, the Capitol, I think. Yes. It's that's uh, correct. it's like a 1,300 seat theater in a town that's not even that big. And it and it was, it's not a suburb of anything. Yeah,
1: it was built uh, over 100 years ago, yeah. and the cost of the high school was $4
0: million, which in, in the 1920s yeah, That's like was an $80 million high school today. Um, yeah, it's unimaginable. And yeah, the, the story goes that the previous high school had been built over an ore mine or over they thought was going to be a giant vein of ore and the mining company asked them to move and the high school people said well sure we'll move but you've got to build us not only a new high school but the nicest high school anywhere <laughs> with chandeliers the in our chandeliers auditorium. In the auditorium and, <laughs> and Italian so they marble did. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah it's it's absolutely an incredible building to see
1: yeah, it's incredible. you know, that whole part of the country is really beautiful. It I, is. Think. I,
0: mean, I think I'm glad that we went when there was snow on the ground too. I,
1: I can't remember how many hours the drive was, but it's it was, not very it's not very, but it, it also feels sort of like a, a you know, a forgotten corner of the country that not many people right. go to. Right. Which makes it interesting to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I remember pulling off to the rest stop and was like, this is like a horror movie starter pack here. There's yeah. a broken payphone over here <laughs> and it goes off into the woods. There's a little shack over there. That's right. That's and right. we would pull off, I remember, into these little towns that like the movie theater was still there from the 40s.
1: Yeah. There was that great single screen yeah. theater where they were showing um, a man called oh, Otto, with right. Tom Hanks. And it was the most beautiful old theater but it was so small Yeah, you know um, yeah it was like you know it was like something out of an Edward Hopper
0: painting right uh, I love those little time warp towns yeah uh, nice place to visit
1: uh, and we had Matt Steichen. As yeah, our my, tour Matt Steichen was
0: along with us. He knows that whole scene very well. Yeah, um, I'm really glad that I did that. I am too, and also just even just as a Dylan fan, especially like being able to see like the streets and hills that shaped his imagination completely rearranged how I saw certain songs.
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Duluth, um, we should point out is is you know quite a bit larger than Hibbing.
0: Yeah, so you know, and it's right and much on. bigger than I pictured too, and yeah. I, I didn't picture you know he said things about the hills of Old Duluth, I did not picture it being that hilly of an environment. It's, yeah, it's quite it hilly, is.
1: and of course, it's also right there on Lake Superior, the largest fresh water right. lake in the world by surface area.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and also, you know, when he talks about, like, iron waves, and like, oh, that's what he means. Yes. You see those on a cold day, that looks like a giant chunk of sheet metal out there in uh, iron ore country. Yes, without a doubt. So, so We love Minnesota. We love yeah, we we had, we had a great time in Minnesota. Well, Mike's movie Relative was screening there.
1: That was the impetus for right, the Right, that's right. That's We're,
0: officially why we went.
1: We That film screened on a Friday night, and um, you know, I knew I was going to invite Matt and his lovely wife, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And then I said, hey, Adam, you know— We've talked we had already talked about going to Duluth and Hibbing, yeah, and I remember I proposed to you. I said when
0: Dylan dies, right. let's do that right
1: when there are no more shows to go and see right
0: and, and when but, we don't want to just sit around like reading all of the inevitable retrospectives exactly we want to do uh, something yeah,
1: yeah um, but then uh, the fact that my film got programmed there just made the you know made it a yeah. good of an opportunity to pass up.
0: Right. And that was a fantastic trip. I remember we got back in time. The same theater was doing Rocky Horror the next night. That's right. So we went to rock, the Rocky Horror picture show, which I feel like you need to go to Rocky Horror every now and then just to, like, to clean out the mental pipes. You yes. know? Certain things you have to just sometimes you just have to shout at Susan Saramp and then that's all there is to it. She's kind of getting me back lately. But.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. So what else has been in the news? You know, I saw, I lost the article. I had the, we got these computer screens up that occasionally, have bits about um, you know, news offerings. And one of them was something about, I am a baby name consultant. Apparently, this is a job that people can get now.
1: That uh, if you can get that job, it would be working.
0: I would think so. I mean, I can imagine you've got, you know, people are paying as much as $30,000, apparently, for baby name consultants.
1: Well, as someone who has the most generic name uh, in the United States of America, Michael Smith, I wish my
0: parents had been able to consult one. So you, you wish your name was like Turtle Smith or something? Absolutely. So I can imagine like these kids getting older and saying, Mom, I want to change my name. Do you know how much that name cost me? <laughs> yeah, that's the irony. The kid's going to end up picking their own nickname. Right. <laughs> After you paid $30,000 to get names like Cove or yeah, some... Uh, Baby, I'm, look, I'm just looking up random articles about this here. A uh, list of names that might get people. I found the names Cove, Matilda, Agatha, Daryl, Rupert, and Kirby. Some people love them. Some people hate them.
1: All you have to do, Adam, is pick up a book from the 19th century. Yeah. And it will be a, you know full of names that uh, nobody has right, anymore. Just, just
0: wander through a cemetery. <laughs> I mean, I find the most interesting names walking around through the cemetery. Well actually the last week I was looking for Johann Hawk's last wife, the one who lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple of people named Schmuck <laughs> Those poor schmucks, Ugh. and certainly you find a lot of a lot of places. There's a, there's one cemetery where they have what I call the seventh grade section, mm-hmm. where Long John Wentworth, former mayor of Chicago, is right next to A. B. Dick, Robert Cumnock, and Cumming Cherry. <laughs> and I've had nuns crack up at the inventor A. B. Dick. <laughs>
1: That's amazing.
0: Inventor of the mimeograph. So, yeah, I mean, 30000 What do you think you could get? Um, so somebody says, when I started being a consultant, my packages ranged from $10 to $25, and I got incredibly overwhelmed. Interesting. like it, Because there were so many requests. I, right, and I feel like... You haven't met the kid yet, <laughs> and so you can't really say, you know, you look like a cove to me.
1: Mm. I wonder, is there, like, a, a superstition involved?
0: I, I feel like, yeah, you'd have to go, like, research the cultures and the superstitions yeah. and everything quite a bit, I would imagine. I feel like, I hope they've done their homework before they get into something like this. Well, you,
1: you want to give the, the kid a name that will be, you know, fortuitous in terms right. of how they turn out. yeah. That's where I was going with that.
0: right? But, you know, how do we know they're not just, they they came up with a couple of winners and they're just giving everybody that. Like there was, um, you can read now and then that when you sign up for transcendental meditation, which costs a lot of money to learn, and they're supposed to give you a a unique mantra. But it came out a while ago, some people who had blown all the money decided still to share with each other what their mantras were and found that they all had the same one. They were all saying the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I have never paid for transcendental meditation I know my grandfather did. And there's a letter to the editor that he wrote to the Des Moines newspaper uh, saying, you know, some of the things you hear about it are just nonsense. But I can run twice as far at the track after I meditate. Right. And he was a very conservative guy. Most of his letters to the editor are like these kids nowadays with their beards and their posters and their slogans.
1: Well, I I think the thing about that is uh, meditation works. You know, it's beneficial. But somebody just found a way to, you know, copyright TM. Right, and then, uh, but I, I think um, using any mantra is good for your brain. You know, you can just pick any. You know. A combination of four That's, syllables and just saying it over and over. Yeah, well, has... mi-
0: mine is two syllables. You know, I, I read about this stuff in middle school and just picked out um, picked out a mantra for myself. And anytime I've meditated since that, it's th- thirty years now. I have the same one that I'll repeat. Can you say what it no, is? No, that would ruin the whole thing. It's just it's just some nonsense syllables. And then, some, but, but somebody else might use it. Uh, and, and, uh... yeah, <laughs> it'll ruin the whole thing. Um, I don't necessarily want people imagining me sitting there repeating a nonsense syllable all the time. Yeah. Um, we <laughs> Well, you know, it's not like I meditate regularly or anything, but when I need to calm down, um, if I'm at a doctor's office or something, I can you kind of repeat those nonsense syllables to myself. It helps a little.
1: So the people who are baby name consultants, mm. they're basically like uh, vampires uh, feeding off of the the ridiculously wealthy. I you know, would imagine, yeah. People who have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They, that's who people hires. People who are paying
0: $30,000 for a baby name consultant is... Yes. Like, what do you get for your $30,000? Oh, we have got uh caller waiting on the line. Or do we? Take it. Hello? Hello there. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. This is um, Georgie. Hey, Georgie. Um,
4: I was... Hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> long-time listener, and I think it's my third time calling. <laughs> Anyways, this doesn't have to do with baby names, but um, you were talking about COVID and schools in different states and everything, and I was just wondering if you got, what were your thoughts were about the measles outbreak in Florida and how they're um, saying it's okay to send the unvaccinated children back to school, even though that's completely contradicting what the CDC is
0: recommending. Uh, well, they weren't going to stop with being anti-COVID vaccine. It was going to from there. I mean, I got all of my measles shots years ago. I never knew anybody who had measles when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. as we all had our shots, and that's what you have to do to get rid of these things, and now measles is making a comeback because people are not uh, vaccinating against it. Um, This is dangerous misinformation people are soaking up, I think. I know,
4: I just I'm waiting for the next one. It's like, okay, so we did this with COVID and people aren't learning, and now they're doing with measles, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad not to have gotten the mumps. I remember specifically having chicken pox and thinking, "Why isn't there a shot for this?" <laughs> Back in 1985, and now, of course, there is. Um, See, so yeah, like kids, like when did the chicken pox shot come out? That was like late 90s or something. I do not. Know. Yeah, like like kids in college, I, I had like yeah, like kids in college now have never had chicken pox. That's crazy. Yeah. And ah, these kids nowadays with their non pox scarred bodies, <laughs> they never knew what it was like, never knew what it was like to sit there itching while people brought you puzzles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they have no chicken pox scars,
0: right? No chicken. I've probably got a couple of chicken yeah. pox-, pox scars on me someplace. I think I know where a couple of them are. Um don't want to think about the minute details of my body that much. <laughs> While I'm sitting there that's what I think later about when the, I'm sitting there repeating nonsense syllables to Later myself. on
1: at the bar we'll show each other. Later on at the bar. <laughs> we'll show each yeah. other the scars.
0: Uh huh. So all right, Georgie, thanks for calling. I think we lost Georgie. Georgie. Right. I hope her
1: parents didn't pay a lot for that name.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a good name. <laughs> it's a great name. It's probably and,
1: short for Georgina, I would assume. Possibly.
0: No. Uh, but, you know, there, it's uh, there's a song for it. You know, hey there, Georgie girl. Of course. And, you know, one friend of mine, when she got pregnant, her husband said, like, my only insistence with picking out a name is there has to be a song. Hmm. There has to be a song for the name. And do you know what name they picked? You're okay. going to love this. Tell me. Lydia.
1: And what's the song?
0: Lydia the Tattooed Lady. Oh, I don't think Groucho I know Groucho Marx, man. Oh, It's uh, in, I want to say it's in Duck Soup Okay, of the Marx Brothers. Lydia, oh Lydia, say have you met Lydia? Lydia, that's tattooed lady. Uh, you know what? It's been too long since I've seen it. It must have been, man. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I knew that song from a Muppets tape growing
1: up. Okay, I'm going to actually look it up and see what movie it is. If it's Duck Soup, I'm going to be
0: ashamed because I've <laughs> actually shown that in class. Yeah, I can't, uh, I, I'm not totally certain it's Duck Soup. It might be a night at the the opera or something that would um, make me feel better on her back is the battle of waterloo beside at the wreck of the hesperus too and proudly above leaves the red white and blue you can learn a lot from lydia and so uh, that's what she hears all the time i imagine <laughs> so yeah people are constantly singing oh yeah to everybody to down at the elementary school is coming up to her singing marx brothers songs i'm sure <laughs> So, yeah, Wayne LaPierre in the news has to pay $4 million, which I suppose I'd rather have to pay that than $400 million. <laughs> so, oh, speaking of comedy, too, is I'm still not done laughing at those gold sneakers. Oh my
1: goodness! How much is he selling them for?
0: I I don't know. I think I heard that they they sold like four hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. I don't know how much of that is gross versus nets. But hey, only a thousand things like schemes like that to go. I think I heard that the, that the sneakers were going for four hundred dollars a pair. Four hundred dollars yes. a pair <laughs> for those. Well, it's what occurred to me watching is remember when Fox was mainly known for a. Show about a loser who was a shoe salesman yeah and we 've really come full circle on this, and then I started thinking to myself, uh, really wasn't there an episode where Al Bundy tries to sell gold sneakers and there was there was I, I looked it up the other day, Al fell out of the wind out of a window and hit his head, believed that he saw God, <laughs> and God was wearing these gold shoes, so in a meeting with God, with you know being able to ask a question of the of all creation, he said, "Where'd you get those shoes? And where are the socks? And the socks were sewn in." And then he lost everything or all of his neighbor's money trying to sell gold shoes. And here's the thing: his models look better than Trump's. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think Trump saw that episode? I wonder, I, I can't imagine he had much to do with the actual design other than to say more gold. Yes, but the concept, you know, you never it, know. It could it be just buried in the back of his brain someplace. Planted a, I do I believe mean, Trump watched Married with Children. You know, I a think a, a while ago, uh, some bus drivers or something that I was working with was like, can you picture that guy listening to an album? <laughs> can you imagine him reading a book? But I can imagine him watching Married with Children. Yes. And of course we all did in those days. And I watched a couple episodes the other day. There are parts of it that are still very funny, parts of it that really do not hold up. But parts of it, I, I kept like trying to separate what worked and what didn't. I watch it with much more of a critical eye than I did in 1990 <laughs> when I, I
1: was 10. Oh, I'm sure there are but, problematic uh, oh, aspects Oh, absolutely
0: today. there are. There's definitely, like anything from 1990, there's probably going to be things that you wouldn't do today. And in that case, possibly a little bit more so. But I hate to use the phrase equal opportunity effect. Like, I remember I had a friend who wasn't supposed to watch it because his mom said it made fun of women. And it did, but it made fun of men even more. Absolutely. So, all right, well, this sounds like uh, we're, we are going for a break. We've got a caller waiting on the line. We'll find out what that's all about in a minute. But we are going for a break. I'm Adam Seltzer, filling in for Patty Vasquez here on Driving It Home with uh, Michael Glover-Smith riding sidecar. Uh, stick around. Driving it home. And politicians getting caught grabbing ass. Says she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. All right, we are back. Uh, Mike has just shown me the most wonderful news story. Uh, Mike, can you tell me all about this? So apparently there was a streaker during
1: the Super Bowl, which, uh-huh. I, which I did not know. No, about. I, I missed that. He uh, apparently placed a $50,000 bet that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. So then he became the streaker. So he did, stu- <laughs>
0: <laughs> he did The bet did not specify it can't be you.
1: And he, he ended up uh, uh, earning $374,000 from this bet, and, and he was fined $1,000.
0: That's a pretty good profit. That's a pre- And he's, That's- a,
1: he's a Las Vegas local, of course.
0: Right. So... so- Man, it, it seems like whoever set that bet up wasn't covering all the variables properly. Right. At the same time, they should I mean, have handcuffed him to you know their or or something, <laughs> or made sure none of his contacts have been set up to be in on this. Yeah. Because how do you not cheat on that? I mean, but How much was that? It, well, that fifty thousand. Right. How much did he take home? Three hundred and seventy-four thousand. Three hundred. Most people have to pay a lot to be on the Super Bowl. This guy got three hundred and have to name like thirty babies to make that kind of me.
1: On the other and hand, everyone saw him naked on you know worldwide. Television. You gotta show off
0: your shortcomings every now and then, I suppose. <laughs> uh, we've got Karen from Orland Park is waiting on the line to talk about Trump sneakers. Karen, how you doing?
2: Good, good. How about you? Oh, uh, we're all right. Okay, so I know that the Trump sneakers, they said, Well don't guarantee. they can't guarantee you they're gonna look like the picture which is a kind of a warning. <laughs>
0: that's, that, that's 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 suspicious.
2: But I'm more concerned about the scent of the cologne or perfume. Now is that gonna smell like the pens or
0: you know, like oh. the oh. <laughs> smell like fast food farts. <laughs> <laughs> in the yep. florida heat <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yep. that's 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 slightly terrifying <laughs> <And> <laughs> also you know i would i I'd, I'd almost feel like I'd have to beat up a kid who I saw wearing Trump sneakers. I mean, the only time I ever recall making fun of kids' sneakers in middle school, like, I never normally heard kids get made fun of for wearing, like, Brand X store brand sneakers or anything, unless they were wearing Voight brand sneakers. That was a uh, Venture's store brand. Venture was like the off-brand Kmart. Hmm. And oh, well, I, I don't believe they're sure. yeah I don't believe that their products were actually cheaper than Kmart's. It's just if a kid was wearing voice sneakers nowadays, kids get made fun of for Skechers. I notice a lot. If you, I guess what they explain to me is they market Skechers when they were kids. They were marketed heavily as kids' shoes. So now when they see a teenager wearing Skechers or an adult wearing Skechers, or if they don't like my shoes, they'll call them Skechers. It really a- hurts.
1: A- Adam, <laughs> do you think you're actually going to see any Trump brand sneakers in the wild?
0: I would be stunned. On the same time, you could make your own with a can of spray paint. <laughs> I mean, just take any given high tops and get yourself some spray paint and go nuts, and and, that's... Then,
1: and then sell them for four hundred dollars. Yeah,
0: I mean. Somebody on on Forty Second Street could really clean up. Um, one thing I will point out is, you know, I spend a lot of times in touristy areas of New York with these because They all, they always go to Times Square. They always they often go to Chinatown. It used to be that every souvenir stand and crud shop was selling MAGA hats. They all had them prominently displayed. I haven't seen one in a couple of years. Um, they might still have them behind the counter someplace, but they're not out up. on display anyway anymore. So just not a hot item nowadays. All right. So, uh, Karen, thanks for calling. We have got okay. uh, Roosevelt on the line from Chicago. Roosevelt, what's up?
2: Hi. First of all, have a nice weekend. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, since you guys are on the same subject. my opinion, the orange Kool-Aid on... Selling sneaker man, mm-hmm. Trump. In my opinion, this is what I have come to a conclusion. Now I don't know if one of you guys said I. Maybe I misunderstood. He sold how many pairs of sneakers?
0: I, I didn't. I didn't hear a number. I I heard somebody tossed around that they grossed forth, uh hundred thousand, which would mean a thousand pairs of a thousand pairs of the shoes. Okay.
2: Okay, so here we go. So, from what I understand, and you guys may correct me because uh, maybe I don't have all the facts. We don't we, don't. we
0: don't. You know this. I haven't followed all the details of the story that well myself. <laughs> all right, let, let, let me let me get on a mini roll here. Go for it.
2: Um, okay, so he goes to SneakerCon, right? Yeah. He goes there. He goes there with one pair of sneakers. To me, it's a prototype. What makes me think of that? The fact that you can't get a hold of these sneakers until July, from what I understand. Hmm. So what? I'm, so what I'm thinking is he always uses the media to make money because they run with it no yeah. matter what because they want they want a horse race.
0: Right. So the the amount of exposure about, he got for those things—if he only sold a thousand—that's really bad.
2: Yeah. So that's my point. So at first, he never divulged, he never said how many pairs they were. Right. For me, it makes me look, so this is what I think happened. He's never been in the sneaker business. doesn't know anything about it. Now, he claims from his own mouth that he's been thinking about this for 12, 13 years. (laughs) Specifically, that's exactly what he said. Well, that I call bull because a day before the judge, I don't remember his name. Cannon? I don't know. I don't know.
0: That's that's a different one. But yeah, I know which. We know (laughs) which judge you mean. Four
1: hundred, four hundred and fifty million.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's that's a lot of babies to name. (laughs) (laughs) a lot of Super Bowls to streak.
1: Wait, uh, Roosevelt um, is your first name? Roosevelt, and if so, were you named after FDR?
2: Exactly right,
1: guys. Okay.
2: Born in Mexico, by the way. Interesting.
1: Fascinating. Fascinating,
2: There's a few of us in Mexico, not that many. Huh. So so here's the deal. In other words, uh, this guy put it out there because he knew that the media would run away with it. Now, let's not forget that when he first got in front of the cameras, they were booing him. Mm -hmm. He looked around and he said... He flipped it around and he said, "Oh, so uh, such emotion, emotion. Thank you and thank you." He was pretending that they were, you know, they were applauding him, which it wasn't true, right? So, the, so he busts into a sneaker con, right? They, hmm. uh, a, a day before he hits with a, he gets hit with that, uh, i don't know, four hundred fifty million, right? Right. So I'm thinking. So I'm thinking. He didn't have any sneakers because if he would have, he would have taken it. In my opinion, he would have taken advantage of taking at least a hundred pairs to see how how it goes.
0: I would so think, he, yeah, he just, well, so sure, Really, the the amount of publicity he he got for that thing, you could be selling snake turds for five hundred bucks, and you ought to be able to move a thousand of them for that amount of publicity.
1: Yeah, right. it, it's so it's, a, it's we, a con. It's a con and a long line of cons. Yeah.
2: So what was the news of the day connected to Trump sneakers that he sold out in hours? We never found out. I mean, now we find out that it was a thousand thanks to you
0: guys. That's that's, that's my know. estimate anyway. Okay, but all right, I wouldn't quote me on that. But we are being given the signal, Roosevelt. We've got to go to break. But thanks a lot for Colin.
2: Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. Percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time.
4: Buy yours at Beer on the Wall, Arlington Heights, Woodman's in Bloomingdale, Kenwood Liquors in Homer Glen, and more to come. Must be 21? Please drink responsibly.
3: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your
2: communities
0: in Chicago. On WCPT 820. Hard seltzer. That's what they call me sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I walk into the bar, hey, who wants a hard seltzer? <laughs> uh, so really quick, the guy named Roosevelt, that's such a cool name. I had a, I had a great, great-something grandparent who was, uh, Roosevelt was his middle name, and he was named after Teddy um, when Teddy was just a vice presidential candidate. Wow. And that, that's bold. I know at Graceland Cemetery, there's a grave of a guy named Lincoln who was born September of 1860. Mm. So when Lincoln was just running for president, that's a very bold move to name your kid after a guy who is running for president. Right. Even if he wins, you might really be like, I don't know any kids named Mondale, I don't think. <laughs> All right. So joining us via the phone right now, we have got the author Cynthia Paleo. Uh, Cynthia, are you there?
5: Hi. How hey, are you? how you
0: doing? So, uh, Cynthia is the Stoker Award-winning author of Children of Chicago, oh. and she has got a new book coming out. Uh, Cynthia, can you tell us about it?
5: Sure. So, Forgotten Sisters is a. Genre blending ghost story that takes place in Chicago in the Ravenswood neighborhood. And it follows two sisters, Anna and Jenny, who live in a historic bungalow in Ravenswood. And little by little, they start, notice they start coming upon men who have drowned in the river outside of their home. And true detectives come calling once they make a connection between the house that the sisters live in and a
0: suspected killer. Interesting. This is uh, connected, I believe, to the Eastland disaster. Or am I, or am I spoiling things if I say that?
5: Uh, It's okay. We can talk. Yes, it is connected to the Eastland disaster.
0: Yes. All right. So, what what is the connection between Ravenswood and the Eastland?
5: There were many people that worked for the Western Electric Company in the Ravenswood neighborhood. I mean, all throughout the city, really. There were people that it was a massive factory, and these it was you know staffed by many immigrants from Europe, Eastern Europe. Many people came and built their homes throughout the city and worked at the Western Electric factory. And so I wanted to write about a historic bungalow. I'm just fascinated with, like, the seer's homes that yeah. were built by people. Um, and so that's why I wanted to feature that.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. For those listening who may not know, the Eastland disaster was that the Western Electric Company held a company picnic in 1915. They were supposed to take uh, the the SS Eastland across Lake Michigan to Michigan City, Indiana. But it was like a perfect storm of things happening. It was probably badly oversold. The ship was always known as a fussy ship. There were some new regulations that had to have uh, more lifeboats, so they made it even more top-heavy. They had way more people on there than they probably should. One thing and another, trouble with the ballast system, um, the ship capsized before it had even been untied from the dock in the Chicago River. Uh, the usual number they give for the number of casualties is 844 people were killed. Uh, 22 entire families. One of the worst inland disasters that there is. And yeah, there were people all over the place. I love the, the I love the bungalow angle, though. Um, I've I've sought out some of the Sears homes that you could build out of a Sears kit that are still around in Chicago.
5: Yes, I just. I mean, I grew up close to, like, the original theater store, and I was always just fascinated by these people that would order a home from a catalog and built it. And I wanted to write about a haunted home and how it's connected to a family throughout time. And then, as you said, entire families died in this disaster. So I kind of wanted to write about that and connect it to a house.
0: Right. And, yeah, it's... Um... I I wouldn't call it Ravenswood a little bit uh, north of Ravenswood is Bohemian National Cemetery where so many of the people were buried. Uh, it's only been fairly recently that they added a specific memorial to them. but also uh, every, day, every, every Friday I do a thing called Find a Grave Friday where I go to a cemetery looking for a grave and people f- watching the live stream figure out where the grave is. That was both times that we haven't been able to find the grave. It was Bohemian National, but the first one was Willie Novotny, who was the last, uh, one of the last people to be identified from it.
5: And I think with the Eastland, I I think what's so fascinating about it is like everybody knows the name Titanic. We talk about it, we hear about it. It's it's really romanticized. But Mm. the SS Eastland, this this was America's Titanic. This was like the largest maritime disaster in the United States. Right. It happened here in Chicago and it's just it's fascinating to me that so many people just don't know about
0: it yeah right it, it was a major news story when it happened it's about half as many people as Titanic but of course the ship wasn't nearly as luxurious or romantic but and also the bottom line is nobody rich or famous was on board the Eastland right versus the Titanic so it was it didn't it was a major news story but it didn't last as a major news story nearly as long and certainly people haven't obsessed over every detail of it like we have with the Titanic.
1: Well, just a few years ago, there was newsreel footage that was rediscovered. Right, yeah, Jeff, of the, Jeff
0: Nichols, a yes. guy uh, found found some newsreel footage. I know there was more that was taken at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there were you actually see bodies being pulled out of the right. river and, and some of the footage is quite quite gruesome.
0: Right. To and, watch. Well there was there was a film, it was banned in Chicago, the Eastland disaster, that showed a lot of footage of the ship, a lot of footage of the rescue, and then people at the second regiment armory where the bodies were laid out just like smiling and waving. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as it was described. And there's even a few news articles from nineteen fifteen saying that the reason one of the reasons it capsized is everybody saw that outside of the Reed Murdoch building across the river somebody had one of those newfangled movie cameras mm. and was taking <laughs> shots of everything so they all ran over to that side of the ship which i, I have to imagine was an exaggerated yes. reason for a cause but one of the many many factors i imagine you, come on you can't blame the filmmakers no you can't blame the <laughs> filmmakers um at the same time it's a, most of the footage is probably lost like most silent film footage of the day but you never know they're always finding new stuff like this yeah
1: um, something else about the Eastland disaster that I found really haunting is I remember reading that everyone, all the passengers were kind of formally dressed. And that's also one of the reasons,
0: right. It reasons was a very you, mild summer in yeah, 1915.
1: You had, you know, women with, um, the, like long
0: skirts and you know, that, that made it dressed for 1950. Exactly. Yeah. Wa- Waistcoats And yeah. Yeah. Plus if, you, if, if, plus if you didn't know how to swim as a lot of people didn't. So Cynthia, this book is out next month now, right? March nineteenth. March nineteenth. Oh, yeah, just a few weeks now. How you doing?
5: I, I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind. I think it's there's been a lot of interest. It's my first traditional book release. It's with Thomas and Mercer, who is Amazon publishing, and so there's been um, a lot of conversation around it. And I think the reason I wrote. I mean, I was drawn to the story just because I was just shocked, like many people, to learn about this event and right. how, you know, these were, you know, and these were immigrants from the Czech Republic, Poland, Norway, Germany, Ireland, Italy that came to work here and create a family and to create a life here. And the, the tragedy is that so many of them were forgotten. Mm-hmm. And many of the memorials are just reset. And so I wanted to tell this story and I wanted as many people as possible to not forget about the victims of the SS
0: Eastland. That is fantastic. You know, it's something I felt bad about. I started when I was started in the ghost tour business in uh, 2005. And that was that was one of the stops, the Eastland stop, even though the vast majority of the ghosts reported from it are actually at the Second Regiment Armory site, really not the a part of the river. But at the time, there was still a survivor alive. I had no idea. Uh, really, oh, it's really? Been a, yeah, but as of the last survivor, I think, died a few years after that, just uh, into the 21st century. She would have been a baby at the time, I think. Oh, wow,
5: that I didn't know. That's
0: fascinating. Right. Well, a while ago, okay. there was a whole series I did on Find a Grave of uh, finding Titanic survivors who were buried around Chicago. There's really quite a few of them. There's one of them who even lived long enough to see the movie in wow. the 90s. And she absolutely that loved it, too. That I did hear
5: about, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that I did hear about. It. That was fascinating.
0: Yeah. So uh, how how can we look up more about this book, Cynthia?
5: You can purchase it on uh, Amazon.com at Forgotten Sisters. You can also find me at my website, which is cinalpallio.com. I'm also active on social media. You can find me at Cynthia Palayo Author. I will be doing some events throughout the city. I will be having a book launch at Exile and Bookstore. Um, March 19th, and we'll be talking about the Eastland
0: there. All right. Uh, can you say that website one more time?
5: Sure. C- C-I-N-A-P-E-L-A-Y-O, com.
0: All right. Uh, for uh, Forgotten Sisters, coming out March 19th. Thanks a lot for calling us. Great. Thank you. Bye. All right. All right. We are going to go on another break. Uh, thanks, Xavier, for calling us, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
3: You're listening to Driving at Home with Patty
0: Vasquez. There's so much that goes on behind closed doors. On WCPT 820. Well, that's Lura. There's so much that goes on behind closed doors. The whole point of David Lynch's career. But, <laughs> so speaking of movies, Mike, what was that Marx Brothers movie that featured Liddy the Tattooed Lady? I have
1: the answer for you. It was At the Circus from 1939. Huh. So that's uh, six years after Duck Soup. By the way, I've never seen At the Circus. I have not either. And the thing is, um, it did
0: become
1: one of Groucho Marx's
0: signature right, songs. I know it's on his that. album in the, so, from the 70s.
1: But yeah, um, the, the thing about the Marx Brothers Is the films they did later for MGM were not nearly as great as the films they did for Paramount in the early 30s? The the MGM films are more, they're safer. The humor is more conservative, and uh, there are always other actors other than the Marx Brothers who have prominent roles. Mm. Whereas you know the early films, it's the humor is much more anarchic and wild. They're just doing
0: Yiddish theater on stage, exactly, and And
1: they're the whole show, right?
0: Ebert had a line about, think how much more anarchic they must have seemed in the 1930s yeah, in a way that we could never really understand now. could never so, imagine. So, Mike, you are a professor of film history as that well. Is, and what that of, is correct. You know, We're we of the generation of side hustles, I think. So <laughs> you and I both have a number of different jobs, but one of yours is teaching film history.
1: Yes, I teach. Um, I'm actually teaching at four different schools right now. Wow. So I'm super busy, and that's a mixture of uh, film history classes, and also um, I'm teaching production now as well.
0: Yes. Yeah, so So when you do a film history class, You're doing four different classes. Is it the same films for each of them? Uh, No, because you know I want to keep it interesting for myself. I mean, I would go
1: crazy if I had to watch you know (laughs) the same you know uh, 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 screwball comedy in all four classes. So what I do is I I basically give the same lecture, Mm -hmm. but I allow myself enough flexibility when talking about you know the specific
0: film. So that right, I, I saw you mention that you've seen Citizen Kane enough.
1: Well, that now. that's the one I have to teach that's yeah. the only one like every other class period it's kind of a, a, a rotating slot of mm. titles uh, but but Kane there's no replacement for it and if you don't show it, it you know
0: you're you're
1: you're missing
0: something right well, you know the intro to film class that I took was actually in, uh, as a senior in high school. I went to the uh, the local alternative high school for my senior year, oh wow, which had it's mostly where they sent the stoners <laughs> and pregnant girls, but it was also where the weirdos ended up, and wow. we had a fil- intro to film class, and I remember day one the teacher said, we'll probably watch Citizen Kane three or four times." Wow, but we didn't get to it at all. It didn't come up the entire class.
1: That sounds I, like I, a I had really a, bad teacher.
0: Yeah, no, it was a very it was a very good class overall. Yeah. I don't know how much we really learned about like an overview of film history, but he introduced us to The Bicycle Thief, yeah. After Hours, a lot of Hal Hartley, I remember. Oh, fantastic.
1: But he so, was clearly making up the syllabus as he went along. Yeah,
0: it was definitely the first <laughs> time he had done this. Oh, no, that's cool. Yeah, we watched the, the Gold Rush, Chaplin, I remember. I got a whole list. Every now and then I'll remember something else that we watched that class and just add it to my list because there was a night of the hunter i saw night oh, of the hunter yeah. for the first time yeah and that just blew me away well the, uh, some of the movie news of the week is they've announced they're going to be making four beatles movies you know one from, from the perspective of each beetle yeah uh, how do you feel about that i well if it ends up being bad, they're just movies. It's, I feel like this is actually kind of a low risk. When like we've been talking in the Dylan world a lot lately about uh, Timothy Chalamet being about to play Dylan, and some people are just panicked about it. Yeah, and I feel like if it's not good, it's just a movie in the end. I mean, they, they come and they go. If it's good, it's great. If
1: it's not good, you know, people are just not going to watch it.
0: Right. It'll um, just it'll just kind of fade away. So I'd be more worried if I were the person financing this. Yeah. That. Uh, a Beatles movie from Ringo's perspective as a fan <laughs> sounds fantastic. I uh, wish they would also do one from Mal Levin's perspective, too.
1: Well, I, when when they say that each film is the perspective of a different character, I, I think that's given some people the mistaken impression that the Ringo movie is only going to be Ringo. Right. That you're not. But I think the idea is you're going to see... All of the characters in each film—it's just going to focus, you know, more
0: on how one saw the other. For right, I think that could be fascinating if they do a really good job with it.
1: It's a good idea, but um, I'm not, you know an admirer of the director, ah. Sam Mendes, so I'm I'm skeptical for that reason. Now, what,
0: what are some other Sam Mendes films? Well,
1: he's probably best known for making American Beauty in 1999, okay. which won the Oscar for Best Picture. Right. Um, and then since then, he's done kind of a lot of uh, middle-brow Oscar-bait type movies ah. that have not been as successful. Right, um, But, uh, you, know, you know, what I was thinking they should do is after the films play theaters, they should turn all the footage over to you, the viewer, <laughs> so that you can make your own two-hour Beatles movie. You can cut your yeah. own version of it. How about that?
0: Well, sure, that won't be very difficult to do <laughs> once once it's all available for streaming and everybody can download. We've all got yeah. iMovie. Yeah, that could be very interesting. Yeah, right.
1: make your own film. It's like yeah. making
0: a mixtape
1: or, like, or, or making your own like ultimate white album. Right, culling down, right. Culling culling it, culling down it down
0: to down. A like disc. Your, your own your own one one disc version. Version. Yeah, we've all done that, haven't we? Absolutely, sir. I, I feel like with with like with Dylan's basement tapes, there's about six hours worth of material. I feel like coming up with the correct track list is yeah. a way that you could go mad. Yeah, but what a swell way to go mad!
1: Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you could you could make a million different albums right. out of those songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And they have to decide, well, what if we threw in some co- some of the covers that he recorded then too? Right. What if we recorded what if we threw in John Wesley Harding tracks? What if we threw in recent stuff like Sammy's cover of Born on a Train that would fit in perfectly?
1: <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is the emotional tone of it could just be completely different depending on what ten right. songs you pick. Right. You could make with- the sad version, you could make the funny version, mm-hmm. you could make the horny
0: version. Right. And I think same thing with the White album too, yeah. yeah, and including you could make the completely bonkers version where it's all Revolution Nine and what's the new Mary Jane and the, among the various outtakes, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like I, I've never latched onto the White album the way some people have. Well, I always felt like
1: it—it it was um, too many great songs for a single album, right. but not enough
0: for two. That's right. always been well, my take. It's always—it sounds best to me at about when driving at about two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. There's certain albums that are great for me in just the right thing, like Miles Davis' Sketches of Spain. Usually it makes it sound like it's hot outside to me, and I just can't (laughs) abide by that. But the other day I was in Toledo, Ohio, spending a week there one morning. And four o'clock in the morning on a cold day in Toledo in a hotel lobby, Sketches of Spain sounded fantastic.
1: (laughs) Okay, Adam, now that we're going down this rabbit hole, Uh I want you to actually nerd out a little bit. Let's nerd out. So let's go deep into the White Album. What are the tracks you select, and what do you
0: leave off? Ooh, you know, Savoy Truffle, I do not think gets the uh, love that it deserves.
1: Ooh, so that's an underrated. That gem. I think is an underrated yeah. one,
0: Savoy Truffle. Um, I would definitely keep. Why don't we do it in the road? Mm. Um, definitely. I'm so tired. I love. I'm so tired. Okay. Okay. I think that one is fantastic.
1: Um, I don't know if I would pick all of those, but I I respect. Your choices, mm. and I wouldn't disagree.
0: Um, I say "obla oh, de obla oh, da" has to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that'd be okay as a single or something. Yeah, but put uh, put it on a single back with Maxwell Silver <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but, That's like Paul at his cutest. Yeah, yeah. But that's there was the thing I saw online a while ago. It's like that's kind of the fun of the Beatles. It's like first song is this epic emotional ballad that will just destroy you, and then the next song is Mister Man went out wearing a funny hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or as uh, Ethan Hawke says in Boyhood, there is no you know single best Beatle. Right. The it's, whole point is the, the right the, s- the chemistry the
0: between them yeah. is what makes it. great. I mean, like Hello Goodbye is such a nothing song. I mean, when you hear it by the Beatles, it is absolutely fantastic. I don't want to hear anybody covering hello goodbye oh, right. it's there's there's nothing to that song except for the chemistry between the four of them right
1: it's not a song it's a record right yeah, it sounds it's, good as a record
0: right and they can they could make anything sound brilliant even when it's really just four guys having fun even when they couldn't stand each other the chemistry between them was just uh you know Speaking of them, I saw an interesting thing a while ago comparing their ticket prices and Taylor Swift's ticket prices. Ooh. Now, if you adjust for inflation when the Beatles toured Australia, adjusted for inflation, the average ticket price would be about $60 today. Okay. Now, a Taylor Swift's concert is more than that, but they played for half an hour. They had a crew of, like, two people. Yeah, They had no stage show whatsoever. And the sound was bad. Right. The sound, you know, <laughs> nobody could hear it, even <laughs> if you could. And by their own admission, they were playing terribly because they couldn't hear anything either. Right. Um, and it was only about half an hour. If you break it down to per song, is you get a much better deal going to Taylor Swift, really. Yeah.
1: Well, also, didn't Taylor put a cap on how much the most expensive tickets could be? Which
0: and, uh, early on, but then resale, she can't. Kind of, gets right. there's, I don't know how she could possibly keep that under control. But, but she'd I, be doing it.
1: But I think she kind of um, she she didn't go the the dynamic yeah, pricing she, she route. She acted out of dynamic pricing, which is I, th- I think morally dubious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's there's no way to do it. The, the, the supply and demand issue is so off the charts there, yeah. That there's not much. You know, she could be charging double what she is, yeah. and still selling just fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, I'm you know, Ticketmaster is the right Ticketmaster, in this and, and also the, you know, yeah, because, it's tempting to say she should have gone with somebody else, but who? Right. Uh, who who else would have done a better job? Who else has the infrastructure for it? She yeah. could have built something herself, but it would have been new and untested. Right. And potentially. Even worse in the end. So yeah, that's it's like that. From what I, you know, I didn't go to the show. I, she tends to be in the wrong city at the wrong time for me. I yeah. was in New York when she was in Chicago, and the other way around. And as much as I like her, I figured it's just as well. The stress of trying to get those tickets would be <laughs> the stress I go through every time Dylan tickets go on sale, and yeah. they, they're never that hard to get. <laughs> yeah, but we always we always stress out big the, the second that they go on sale. Yeah. Um, like the getting a Taylor Swift ticket is just so much more work. I figured there were people who needed it more than I did, anyway. But you see the videos; it's right. uh, it is uh, it's a production. It's a big, big show yeah. with a huge crew and a lot of special effects. It's a whole show meant to be seen in a giant stadium. Oh, sure. More so than. And, that, and that's there. where your money's going. That's that's yeah. where your money's going. It's not, and it's also like a three and a half hour show or something. It's right. not um, very different than the Beatles coming out and playing for half an hour. Absolutely. Uh, so, by the way, you've never seen Lana Del Rey either,
1: have I you? I have never seen her live. No. I haven't either. So, the next time she comes to town, you're gonna gotta be gotta my go. Date. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we yeah. gotta
0: go. Yeah. I mean, my, my wife my, has no interest. Yeah. My my wife would. Mike Mike and I have both been Lana Del Rey fans from back at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I I remember I first heard video games over in a coffee shop, and I was, like, trying to Google, what song is this? Because it hadn't been released yet. It was, like, just a single that was only online. And I was able to get, like, a live show that she had done in London. Yeah. But right away, I thought this was just fantastic.
1: I was floored by it, but I wouldn't, I was kind of ashamed to admit it. Because
0: she was, she was uncool. Yeah, I mean, she's a new pop singer. and exactly. I, I got the impression early on that she was kind of a character that Lizzie Grant plays. Right. Which exactly. is fine.
1: Yeah. You call, what a swell character, anyway. Well, you know, that's, I mean, I think the history of pop music is littered with, you know, you know stories. Well, of, right, uh, you
0: have to create, you it's you got to create yourself. Yeah, And absolutely. that's a thing that I've brought up, is there's a famous anecdote about uh, Bob Dylan in the 60s going around to Keith Richards and saying, I could have written Satisfaction, but you couldn't have written Desolation Row. <laughs> and the, the Stones tried to with Jigsaw yeah. Puzzle. Yeah. Um, and that's something you could say. It's not that uh, Bob could have written all too well, Taylor Swift could write Desolation Row, but she'd look silly singing it because that's not the persona that she's crafted. Everybody yeah. crafts a persona. That's uh, either you craft it yourself or other people do it for you. Yeah, and or the audience does it for you, and then you get kind of stuck with it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's but it's only male, you know, uh,
1: pop stars who who get a free pass when right. it comes to creating that persona. Right, because so it's, it's male critics who are the ones who are writing about it. Yeah. You know. Well, the more, more and more women writing
0: rock criticism these days. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I was talking more 10 to 15 right. years ago. You yeah. know, um.
0: So, well, all right, I think it is time we go for a break. So we'll be back to uh, wrap this up in just a few minutes. So don't touch that dial. You're here on WCPT.
2: Hi, folks. I'm Kirk Banksett from the Minoqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time.
4: Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink response.
3: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty
0: Baskets on WCPT 820. Yes, turn your dial for a while to the voice with a smile. Your light, refreshing hard seltzer—that's Adam Seltzer. That's me on WCPT. I'm Adam Seltzer filling in for Patty Vasquez today. Uh, with me is Michael Glover Smith, and we were talking a minute ago about uh, the hard-hitting news story of the day, which is what is the best one-disc track listing for The Beatles' White Album. And I think that this is a fascinating topic. Um, more so, as much as I like ripping on Trump's t- tennis shoes, um, I feel like we've kind of covered all of that. But there are certain topics that just never really exhaust themselves, and one of those is the Beatles,
1: and uh, specifically how to call the white how to, how album to call the white down. album
0: down to. I mean, there's no there's no perfect way to do it, right? right. No, no two
1: people are going to do it the same way, yeah. so um, that's why it's a topic that will not go away, right?
0: So okay, so what are what are some that you would drop besides Obladi oh, Oblada? Oh, well, I would drop Revolution Number Nine without a doubt. Yeah, but that's most people would. But at the same time, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it exists I, too. I, it, I think it would exist better as like a bootleg track that people seek out.
1: <laughs> well, as the guy, you know. I called out Obladi Oblada for being Paul at his cutest. And really, Revolution Number no. 9 is the opposite of that. That's
0: like John right. at his most annoyingly experimental. Right. And generally, Paul was more into that kind of stuff than John was. Right. Overall. Exactly. Overall. Um,
1: so, looking at the track list right in front of me, mm-hmm. um, I also I should say Helter Skelter is a definite keeper. Definite keeper I don't yeah. want people to think I'm anti-Paul just because I said he wrote some cute songs. Right. Helter Skelter is Granny a, music. Ba- it's yeah. a banger, mm-hmm. you know, it's It's the Beatles at their most hard-rocking. Yeah, and so he's pretty much of, invented heavy metal with it's that. It's one of the best uh, Paul vocals, too. Yeah, I mean, know? that guy he's, can scream. He can scream and shout mm. as as well as anybody.
0: Yep. Um, got the gift of melody. He's got rhythm. <laughs> That's right. He can do it all.
1: <laughs> he's the only one I'm in awe of. Um, oh, well, while my guitar gently weeps, That's is, a keeper. The, is the best. Yeah. I mean, I'm a George guy. I think you're kind of a George guy, too. Yeah, right?
0: generally. I, I think it's it's an all four kind of thing for me, really.
1: Yeah. Um, but but I have affection for George because he was, you know, fighting to get a single
0: song right. on the album. So Right. Well, here, here's what freaks me out is you, you watch Get Back, of course. Oh, of course. George is 25 in those sessions. Yeah. 25. And then he turned 26 and then they broke up. Right. It's, um, <coughs> it's hard to even imagine. He was the baby. Um, Julia is a keeper for sure. Julia is definitely a keeper. Beautiful. Julia is absolutely a keeper. Beautiful. Was, no, no, just a glass onion I love.
1: Yes, glass onion is. Um, is a
0: keeper. Blackbird for sure is a keeper. Blackbird. just for The guitar lick. Oh, beautiful. I'm not sure I buy Paul's assertion these days that it was about the civil rights movements. He never said anything about that at the time. Right. It's something he started saying years later. Mm. Um, your blues. Mm. Mm. Smash or pass. I'm,
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass. You're gonna pass on yeah, your blues. I'm gonna pass on your blues.
0: Maybe it should have stuck with it as just the uh, the Rolling Stones "Rock and Roll Circus" live version. Mm. Long, long, long. I can't even. That's I'm spacing on what that one sounds like. It's been a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's slow and you know it. It would work. It would work its way into certain track lists. Um, But my instinct would be. I mean, if you can't remember it, that's a pass. Right, that's generally a pass. Um, Doesn't it just evolve into screaming at the end
1: too? It doesn't really have like an ending to it. I don't I remember. <laughs>
0: Go back. That, Go back. I like That's that one long, even better. I like it better in that in that case. Martha, my dear, mm. Mm. keep keep. I... It's the most beautiful song about a sheepdog. <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my um, instinct is to say keep, but it d- kind of depends on how I'm, how I'm culling the track list. I'm gonna it pass. probably pass on. It would probably end up passed on some of them. I'm gonna
1: pass on that one, but I also want to big up another McCartney. Mother Nature's Son. It's a good one.
0: That's a yeah. really good one. Yeah. that's that one is terrific. Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Oh, I would keep. It. Oh, that, that's, yeah. a that's a keeper. Yeah,
1: that's a fun one.
0: It's a it's a good rocker. Sexy Sadie, I think, is kind of a throwaway.
1: Mm, uh, no, I like it. I want okay. it. I want it on mine. Cry baby, cry.
0: Mm. I'm a keeper on that one. Uh, you, I'm gonna pass. Okay. Good night.
1: Mm. I'm going to pass.
0: See, I I would keep that one, but I would prefer it if John were singing it. Mm. I think Ringo should have sung Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except for Me and My Monkey or Your or Your Blues. Your yeah. Blues with Ringo on vocals.
1: Oh, we uh we passed over the uh we passed by the Ringo song.
0: Oh yeah, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Oh, that, that's a keeper.
1: Oh, that's that's a pass. I think that's a keeper.
0: That's a pass. Okay. Piggies. <laughs> Um, even though I said I'm a Harrison guy, I can pass. Yeah, that's not Harrison's masterpiece or anything. Once again, that's another one I can imagine that certain of the certain of my track list it would work its way on.
1: You know, I I'm saying pass a lot, but I think that's because we really skipped over side one of disc one. Yeah, which is I think I think the Al- white album is front loaded. Mm. It's front loaded. So back in the songs. USSR, that's a keeper for yeah. me.
0: I. Yeah, it's a fun rocker. It's a fun rocker, yeah. You need it just for pacing anyway, mush, yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's, there's just so many parodies in in Beatles stuff. Uh, yes, true that. Um, uh, Dear, kind- Dear Prudence. Oh, that's a keeper. That is definitely a keeper. Yeah.
1: That's John at his best. Mm.
0: Well, I think we've got uh, Bungalow Bill is one more. Keeper. Rocky Raccoon. Oh, Big Keeper. Okay. What about wild honey pie or regular honey pie? <laughs> I like the extra cheese honey pie.
1: Oh, and happiness is a warm gun. Happiness like is a warm gun. Of, um, yeah. You
0: know. I like it when they get weird. Yeah. So, all right. So we have re- rehashed the Beatles, I think, effectively. You can also do this with the Let It Be sessions and be, <laughs> and be
1: at it for days. Well, Adam, if I'm ever back here with you, we will pick another double album. We'll pick another
0: double album and call it. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if you're... Even the best twelve-bar blues on a rock album yeah. is almost always filler.
1: Well, now you're making me want to do Blonde on Blonde. Yeah, you're just full, blonde of, on uh, 12 full of twelve-bar bar blues, blues.
0: Some of which are good. Some of which are definitely good. And some of which are, you know. He Some would. of which you could drop. We'll, we'll drop them next time. Yeah, we'll do that next time. So <laughs> what else? is We've got just a few more minutes here. If you want to give us a call, by all means, call in. We've got a couple of minutes to uh, include the conversation. Call now at uh, 773-763-WCPT. That's nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. 9278 Come tell us how wrong we are about the Beatles, if you feel like it. We're just whippersnappers. We don't even remember the Beatles. <laughs> uh, we were both born when all four were still alive. Yeah. So there's that. Um I remember my da- I asked my dad if he remembered them on Ann Sullivan one time. I was like, no, I was six. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> my mother is younger than he is, but a little bit, and she remembers it very well. Well, and also she was the target audience. Right. Well she was a five year old girl at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um do uh, you remember her Her dad, my aforementioned conservative grandfather, saying, all that guy can't think of anything to say, so he just says, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wish that's all John Lennon could think to say, old man. <laughs> it's weird to think to me that John Lennon everything he did was when he was younger than I am now. Yeah. Uh, um, I I, no, I noted that like the day last year when I officially became older than Elvis had lived to be.
1: Well, you know, uh, musicians back then had to be more prolific in right. terms
0: of their recorded output.
1: Yeah, you and had to do an album like a year. You had to. I mean, now people tour for years off of one album before mm-hmm. they do another. Well, Taylor's kind of bucking that trend. Yeah. But uh, you know, do you know how many songs Buddy Holly wrote and recorded? I mean, it's insane. Yeah, and, and he such a t- short career. Yeah, yeah he died
0: at twenty three. It's yeah. just unreal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, different um, times. Different times for sure. <laughs> yeah, and forty was you know twenty five at the and. When when George was doing the Let It Be sessions, yeah. and he looked so much older than twenty five in those shots. Well, twenty five was older. Twenty five was older, <laughs> older than. Well, you know, he also he he still looked good when he was in his fifties, though. He he didn't he, did. he didn't look like fifty in rock star years. No, when he was in his fifties, well, I think that's because he didn't tour. Right, you know? that could very well be. Yeah, yeah. he famously did like a one small tour of Japan, and then just right. the one off concert. here in the and Seventies, he, yeah. You know. So that's 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 a regret of mine that I never got to see George Harrison, but I never would have had the chance. Yeah, so. Um, But you saw Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen. I saw, I didn't see see Leonard Cohen. Oh, you didn't see Leonard? When he came, I was so broke at the times that he was touring. I never got to see Leonard. But yes, I did see Joni Mitchell. I saw David Bowie with Nine Inch Nails. The same week as my first Bob Dylan concert. Those are bragging That was a week. Yeah, definitely I'm surprised how much street cred I get with the kids for Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was at her, really her last regular concert before the tour where she just did Standards. Ninety. Ninety-eight. 98. Yeah, yeah, I, you I saw, saw, the, you same saw the same tour. I saw the
1: same tour. But, uh, yeah, being able to say that I saw Leonard Cohen in 2009, I mean, that was one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. The fact that I...
0: Because I thought it would never happen. Right. My, my first week of college, I was in college in Georgia, but my first weekend I flew up here to Chicago to see Tom Waits. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the guy
1: doesn't uh, tour much. I saw him in 06. Oh, 06, oh, it would have uh, been. Yeah, yeah I at the
0: auditorium. And again, that was the first time in years. Yeah. His son, he hasn't since 2008 now. Right. Um, um, fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I, I Okay, we got a, we got a call coming in. We just got a couple more minutes, but we've got a call coming in on the line. So, tell us, whippersnappers. I don't know what the, I don't know what's going on here. But well, let's see what's up. Hello. Hello. It's Whiskey and a cookie, capital for tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, with Patty being on the road and me uh, holding down the fort over here, we will not be doing... Wh- whiskey and a Cookie will not be seen tonight. Instead, we'll be bringing you Reading Rambo, in which uh, Rambo will tell you all the best books he's been reading lately, which means it's going to be a really short show, because Rambo can't read. So <laughs> I stole that joke from you can't do that on television. Bye bye.
3: All right,
5: thanks.
0: <laughs> a whiskey and a Cookie is something that Patty Vasquez and I have been doing every Friday for the last few years. Us and a couple of other rotating cast of friends, such as Elliot Serrano, who I'm sure you all know from here. Um, we I'm get up on right Zoom. Now. What? Hey, Patty's here, everybody. <laughs> hey, that wow. sounded great. I, I, you know what's so funny is that I immediately was like,
1: what? Where is that footage from the Eastland? Hi. Oh, you've been you? listening. You, oh, wow, been? good to see you. Good to see you, too. It's Hi. been a minute.
0: Hey, yeah. Patty is just a barge on her own show here.
4: <laughs> I was like, oh, that's me. I can go around down the hall. Yeah, yeah I said like whiskey and a cookie if you want to hang out for a bit. Okay, I can. Uh, I
0: can uh, for a little bit. Yeah. We'll, we'll hang out for a bit yeah, two, or two so, hour absolutely. show. Yeah. You'll see yeah. how
4: it's like to do a two hour show and then be like, okay, right oh, yeah, keep
0: talking. yeah, let's go keep talking some <laughs> more. But anyway. But go I ahead. don't know, those sneakers can keep us occupied for a long time, I think. Uh, yeah. The, the, you can't even pump up the tongue. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but, oh, there's so many images I didn't need in my head. <laughs> inflatable tongues at Maggie's. Oh,
0: re- remember how cool those, to- those, those reels. Reebok pumps were in the early nineties. Oh, yeah. I had the off-brand version, not the Voit brand or anything, but I had the LA Gear pumps. <laughs> nice. The LA Gear regulator. <laughs> I never had any. I saved up to get those. I did, I, you'd have to. I did chores. Yeah, they, they weren't nearly as expensive as the uh, Reebok versions, which were a hundred dollars. Wow, That's
1: crazy! I had a pair of Sky Jordans. Do you remember yeah. those? Those were
0: those were the Air Jordans, but for the little kids. Oh. Yeah, it was like the little you know child version. Okay, that's what it was. I remember calling them Sky Jordans and thinking I just had it wrong. Oh. I don't think I owned a pair. I'll see you on whiskey and cookie. I'll see you on whiskey and <laughs> a cookie. I'll be. Uh, wait, are you just? Are we just down the hall? Yep. Okay, I'll see you down the hall in a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at the old clock on the wall. <laughs> so. All right, uh, Mike. Anything else? Uh, what, what, what tell us a little bit more about your movie? When will we be able to see Handle with Care? Oh yeah, there if are we're not a in couple Alabama. of. Well,
1: there are a couple of uh, Midwestern screenings coming up. Uh, we'll be at the Beloit International Film Festival in Beloit, Wisconsin, in April, and then there will be also the Illinois premiere in April. But I can't say where just yet because the festival has not announced its dun,
0: lineup. Dun, dun. Keeping us in suspense. But follow me on Twitter. I'll announce it there. It's on at the server. Marcus, right. At White City Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Michael Glover Smith, everybody, co-author with me of Flickering Empire, How Chicago Invented the U.S. Film Industry, my longtime partner in Bob Dylan-related crime. Uh, and I think that that show outside of the Vic that we first met was just about within a week of being 20 years ago right now.
1: That's incredible. So we are, we are celebrating
0: that. 20 years of friendship, Mike and I, and we have had so many great adventures, and here's to 20, 30, 40 years more of them. Absolutely. So, Thanks for right. having me on, brother. Thanks for coming out and helping me fill two hours of space. Uh, <laughs> thank you for Patty for thinking of me to come fill in for her tonight. Hope everybody listening has had a good time as we just nerd out about <laughs> rock stars of the 1960s <laughs> who uh, were at the height of their fame, if not necessarily the height of their powers, if you ask me.